to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast then that analyzes, then lands a few punchlines on your favorite horror movies. Because if you don't destroy the things you love, do you even love them? No, I'm going to go ahead and say no. No. Destruction no. is uh, mandatory. Destruction of the things you love is mandatory. Mm-hmm. If I love you, I will set you on fire. That's right. I will shit, I will <laughs> shit in your sink. <laughs> <laughs> I will shit in your sink. <laughs> Upper decker, two below. So I mean, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'm Mary. I'm Mary Kay. And joining us today is an old friend of mine named Nick. Nick. Tell us about yourself. Okay. Nick. Yeah. Um, hi. Hi. Um, I'm a dad. Um, I also enjoy going to Disney World a lot. Uh, I play D&D a lot with my wonderful wife and a bunch of my friends. And I, this is my very first podcast that, you know, you guys are inviting me on. So you guys Woo! are able to draw first blood here, which is awesome. Well, just so you guys know, if you ever want to go on a podcast and be famous... Nick is on here because he regularly Instagrams, like, he regularly messages me on Instagram when he listens to a new episode to be like, okay, so here's what I thought about it. Or, when, what are you guys going to talk about this movie? So when we were like, well, who's going to be on next? I was like, I bet he'd like to do it. That would be really fun. And then I so, jumped on that. I was like, oh, hell yeah. So and I this, this movie, we needed a man to be on because there's no women in this, in this movie, really. <laughs> you know? Right. It's, 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 a, yeah. it's a sausage fest. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, Indeed. that's fine. So, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. We, we, once in a while, you know. But, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I was, I was telling Mary before, you know, I am a sucker for, like, folklore and, like, pagan stuff. And yeah. so this was, like, oh, my cup of tea, I drank that up. So it was, like, yeah. Good, because really it went good. over my head what a it, lot. What are you <laughs> actually drinking to enjoy this recording session. What did you What did you specially buy to prepare? Oh, it? I specially bought this. Uh, I actually brought mead here. Gross. Ratty uh, mead. Brand, ew, right? You nasty. So in I other bet you words, drink brandy it's... too. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> you don't drink brandy? Like not even an eggnog? <laughs> no. What a, I like this, brandy in a hot toddy. Like this is I, the... make, I make myself some tea and some No, you and put a... bourbon in a hot toddy. Not if you're weak. Oh, okay. Well, but this I don't is the know drink of the that. Viking gods. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. very Beowulf about to go slay Grendel's mother, have you? Yes, yes, right. very much. Um, and we uh, are talking today, because we have just barreled ahead without actually explaining ourselves, about the a Netflix original movie, which means that all y'all know you have some login from somebody, you can see it, it's only an hour and a half. It's called The Ritual, so if you haven't checked it out, Go watch it immediately. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, it's we real short. Spoil, we will spoil it right this second. The very first bullet point of this outline will yeah. spoil it for you. Yeah. So um, go check it out because uh, we don't want to ruin your experience of this heartwarming tale of dudes grieving via white nonsense. That is... Mary, you should be writing copy for Netflix. Like, that is the exact synopsis. Like, with no spoilers, that's exactly what's happening have you ever been flipping through Netflix and got gone down a rabbit hole and found the copy that someone clearly like snuck past someone? Yes. And it pisses me off because someone has that job and I am not that someone. I would be... I have seen movies and shows described this way where it's like a heartwarming tale of guys, but, but, but you know, but you know, you can see from the rest, like the trailer is playing and there's just a bunch of slaying and blood yeah. and it says heartwarming tale and you're yeah. like... You ain't watch Ooh. this movie. You ain't do your homework. 
who was supposed to check this? I also really like it when the wrong show lines up. So it's like Friends, but it's like the description for this movie. Yeah, like when the Babadook was filed under uh, queer LGBT <laughs> movies. I think they did that. I think they did that on purpose. I mean, Babadook is a queer that's fine now. with me. But I think a yeah. page it was obviously like an error. Like, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like somebody like going in and editing Wikipedia pages, but like right. with way more power. Right. <laughs> like that Netflix level reach. Um, all right. So our icebreaker for today's conversation, because we're clearly having trouble getting into it, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is uh, what is the scariest place you've ever traveled or would like to travel? Guest first. Oh, yeah, it's always the guest first. Did you oh. know that? You're the sacrificial yeah. You are the yeah. sacrificial caribou. No, no, I'm cool with that. No, so I have, uh, so so as Mary, you probably know here, because, you know, you and I, we've been friends since you were working in West Virginia and met my wife here. Um, we, I used to go to, well, I did graduate from Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, which is home to a lot of a lot of ghost stories, a lot of really scary stuff. And so actually one of like, just like the very unsettling places that I've been to um, was this old psychiatric hospital that um, Mm. we, it was called the ridges. And so it was just a very unsettling place. Like the building itself is very just um, unsettling to look at just because of the actual architecture there. And like the grounds itself, they said they were haunted because there used to be an old tuberculosis ward. Oh, uh, shit. If anywhere in the world is haunted, it's a former psychiatric yeah, institution. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, there's also within the grounds, too, they had a graveyard where it's just numbers. That's it. No names, no descriptions or anything like that. Yep. And essentially for the patients that, you know, did not have any sort of like next to kin or anything like that. So it was the hospital's responsibility to bury the patient. So it's just this graveyard with just numbers. That's it. And so it's just a very unsettling place, very sad, but it's very, very much a place you don't want to be after dark if you're kind of, you know, afraid of ghosts or anything haunted or anything like that. But it's with that, too, that does kind of have that appeal to that, you know, a lot of people come to it to see as well. I um, used to live in Milledgeville, which has Central State Hospital, which is a very similar situation, except for they have mass graves. But um, I lived there, so I don't know that that is a... I mean, not in the grave and not in the institution, but um, <laughs> I lived in that city, just, so like, I don't know squat. if that counts as, like, traveled to. Um, you didn't just squat in an abandoned asylum fuck where they have raves? No, dude. I didn't even like want to drive there? past there. Like, my grandmother was like, you don't want to... You really have you been to Milledgeville though? Like, do you want to live there? Is that really something that you want to do to yourself? <laughs> like, that's what she told me. She went there for a semester and then was like, "This is no," because it was working. Like, it was operating when she lived there, and she would drive past it, and there would just be like people staring out of the windows all the time. So, I think I didn't even think about that as a possibility, but um, it is probably the scariest. But I don't think it counts for the icebreaker because I lived there, I lived near it. Right? So it doesn't count. I've pretty, pretty much I don't go anywhere that isn't a little bit scary. <laughs> right. Because that's kind of. That's like your thing. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. The most recent scary place that I went was Cuba because we ran out of money and we almost didn't get back. So that was scary. Ah, and I have yes, travel anxiety. I don't know if you guys know that about me. Um, but yeah, I, I do. And also one time when we were in 
Lebanon. I think the cab driver was trying to kidnap us, but we hopped out and then got another cab. That was probably the scariest because we like, yeah, we like pulled into a garage Mm -hmm. and we were like, what the fuck is happening? This is me and my friend, Sarah. And she was like, we're getting out. We're getting out right now. And I was like, thank you. Yes. Yes. We're getting out because you know, you have to be enabled, you know, to be like, Mm -hmm. is my, is this weird? But yeah, so we got out and then we got in another cab and then it was fine. Like the rest of the trip was awesome. So that was scary. I don't know if that destination was scary in itself though. I guess it was because it was like right before the Syrian war spilled over. Like it spilled mm-hmm. over the week after we left. So that was pretty scary. But again, everyone there was really nice. Except for that one creepy cab driver. Cool. You might have been nice. Just I want to go to Dracula's scary. castle. That's the yes. scary location I want yes. to go to. Yeah. Absolutely. And Lizzie I just, Borden's I, house. I went there too. That was scary. There was a Ouija board in the good. corner and me and my friend Aaron were both like, fucking nah. We got it. No. <laughs> nope. I totally went to New Orleans like twice and that's like the home of like all sorts of like awesome like haunted stuff as well too. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I definitely did a nice touristy ghost tour in uh, in New Orleans. It was fun. I also think that our guide was a ghost. Cool. Um, <laughs> that cool. At the end of the tour, he was like, don't wear your sticker. They give you those little stickers, and they say, oh, keep the stickers on so that afterwards you can go to this bar and you'll get two free drinks per sticker. Right. Um, and he was like, don't wear your stickers. You'll get you'll get mugged. Right. Um, he said, just go there and tell them that, you know, tell them my name, which I think his name was Jack. Right. And I was like, Taylor, I'm pretty sure that if we walk into that bar and we're like, <laughs> We, had, we just did a tour with Jack. They'd be like, Jack's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> but they'd have <laughs> to do it in like a mid-Atlantic Blanche Dubois accent. Right. Like, He's been dead for 25 years. And you then know, they like, the, have to the, drop yeah. the R's out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got <laughs> the, like, the in the around Jack as well, too. Right. Kind of mm-hmm. like with the picture of mm-hmm. two candles and stuff, too. Of course, that's got to happen. Well, <laughs> There's a picture mm-hmm. of him at the bar, <laughs> good, good daguerreotype. <laughs> it's just the end of The Shining, right? <laughs> or hey, Pee Wee's Big Adventure too. Hello, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I I just can't believe that Nick just went to Disney on a holiday weekend and didn't say that was the scariest place he's ever been. Eh. On a holiday weekend, my yeah. dude. Oh, On shit. a holiday yeah. weekend. Here's the thing. I've been to Disney. I, I mean, I go there maybe once a month for a whole weekend just because that's how, like, insane we are here. But, I mean, we haven't even been there during, like, peak season either. Like, we tend to avoid the parks, like, right when it's at the busiest, too. Because that's kind of like what – that's what happens when you're in Florida and when you live here and you just kind of know right. the system and stuff, too. Like, you kind of play it to your best advantage here. So. Mm-hmm. According to Michael yeah. Scott, colorful, I mean, according to Michael Scott, Florida is a colorful, lawless swamp. I can either confirm or deny <laughs> that, so you can take that. Florida man okay. is real. Yeah. Speaking of a, speaking of. Florida is a well, scary okay. destination shit. Yeah. Yeah. What's awesome? I went to Fort Lauderdale recently and I was like. Man, I thought I was, like, maybe not having my life together, but, damn, I'm doing great. We got stuck in Fort Lauderdale on the way back from Cuba. Nice. <laughs> so, that's the winner. Did you, go to the, did you go to the elbow room? Because if you do, it will drip on your head, and you will never find out what that substance is. We didn't go anywhere. As oh, I mentioned, no. we were out of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, okay, so speaking of colorful lawless swamps slash bleak barren, lawless <laughs> forests. How was that segue? 
This movie is uh, not set in sunny Florida, but rather in... What's the word I want? Foggy? Misty Norway? Sweden? Norway? Scandinavia. Rainy Scandinavia. Yeah, Scandinavia, right. Because the trail... Well, the trail they're hiking kind of runs down... The, the border of Norway and Sweden. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. I think they made a joke that they'd take a wrong turn, they'd walk into Norway, which, if <laughs> I understand correctly, I think you're able to do that in, like, all of Europe. Like, you take a wrong turn and you're <laughs> in Germany or whatever, so that's probably yeah. not... So, uh, not as dramatic of a thing. Um, this movie, uh, is it scary? No. No. I don't think so. Okay, here's I... the thing. I didn't... I felt more scared at many points. Right. The overall premise, this is kind of like, when we when we did the episode about us, I was saying that other movies didn't scare me as much because it was like, well, just don't go hunting out that Yeah, monster. just don't go over whereas there with, and then mm-hmm. it's fine. Whereas with us, they were they were everywhere. That there was no, the whole thing was to escape them. Um, and here it's like, don't go through that clearly terrifying forest. Right. Dumb, mm-hmm. dumb dummies. Um, but... Um, the cumulative effect of, well, we did go in here and dude's leg is busted up. Like, so they can't get away. And also because they don't know what they're getting away from. Right. Right. Like they, it's so long before they see it. Right. That worked on me a few times that it was like, oh gosh, like, I don't even know. I don't know how they problem solve this. Like, I don't know how they fix the situation. Right. Yeah. And the longer actually... you can hold off showing the monster, the scarier it is. Although this monster fucking A. Right. That's what I wrote. Holy yeah. hell, that was a monster. I yeah. I thought, you know, they'll do the, the sophisticated thing and just never show mm-hmm. it to us. Right. And then when they did, I was like, what the ever-loving fuck am I looking right. at? Yeah. I read that this guy also did concept monster design for Guillermo del Toro. So that, that makes sense. a lot of sense to that me. Would like with the, the dead arms number. when he looks through the door, I was like, no, right. <laughs> no. No. That, that would explain the sheer number and variety of arms on this creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the headlessness. Like the eyes are in the neck. Mm-hmm. And when it reared up and was like, now I'm going to be like seven different creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, the- in the course of that gesture, it looked like various animals at different stages. Yeah. And I was just like, what is going on? Yeah. But what, oh my God. I did like that. I mean, does look like some sort of like moose elk thing and that like the yeah. hands doubled as horns as well too and so mm-hmm. that way just looked awesome as far as that like and i've been listening to a lot of like you know uh, uh norwegian black metal recently as well too and so nice. like this totally was like within the theme as well too i was like what the fuck <laughs> 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 i just I mean, that's not actually an unexpected thing for you to say, I guess. I just wasn't ready anyway. Well, I'm wearing Hawaiian shirt. For the casual... Yeah, so. yeah, for the casual mention of how much Norwegian black metal you've been checking out right. these days. After your weekend at Disney World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, with your beautiful With children. your lovely family. With my <laughs> wonderful son and daughter here, so... Yeah. Um, um, oh, my God. Wait, so about this monster and... It kind of goes into body horror a little bit, but only a little. They see the effigy upstairs in that cabin first. Mm-hmm. And it was headless and it had antlers like out of the shoulders as well as arms, I think. And I think it was I believe the antlers are the only thing attached. It's like a trunk. Okay. It okay. just disappears into those weird tiny legs with the bird feet. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. So the feet uh, were what the shots uh, framed the most. Like you had the antlers and then Phil saying, this is witchcraft, which me too. Like after seeing Blair Witch, of course, right? Like it looks like that. Um, But then it goes to the feet and it was like bird feet, but they were like bleeding and it looked like human ankles. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That red herring kind of foreshadowing was really weird. I found that the effigy was more disturbing than the actual monster itself. And I don't, you know, and I don't know if it's just because like your brain's kind of like in overdrive to try to figure out what you're looking at overall. And so it kind of like fills in the blanks and that's kind of where kind of like that fight or flight goes off from. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt more that like, you know, when I looked at the monster, I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then when I looked at the effigy, it's like, wow, I really don't want to be in this room right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I think with the effigy too, it's the same like with my thing with dolls not being like a thing I can't handle mm-hmm. is that it's not supposed to move. But what if it does? Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas the monster is alive. I expect it to move. I will run away from it because Jesus fucking Christ. But it's alive. And the effigy is not. But I'm not sure. Right. Like when Phil was like, if I hear something coming down the stairs, yeah. we were like, dude. <laughs> stop <laughs> talking about that. I think uh, uh, Dom says, like, stop it. Stop. Like, yeah, we're yeah. already freaked out. Stop it. Mm-hmm. I really liked how these men all took turns yeah. being like, like the most aggressively in denial about like what was really happening, except for like Phil. Right. <laughs> Phil, like, walks into a cabin and was like, witchcraft, let's leave. And they were all like... I did appreciate some of the motivation for going into the woods, though, because if they were all just like, let's go camping, then we would have another deliverance situation on our hands where we were like, just don't go in there if you don't know what you're doing. But because they had a friend who wanted to go and all of them were like, fuck you, no, we're getting drunk in Amsterdam or Vegas... And then that friend gets killed that night. They all, like, out of guilt, go do the mm-hmm. thing that he wanted to do, which they never would have done had he lived, by the way. That's so This true. is what guilt makes dudes do. Yeah. He um, was not going to win that. He was not going to win that showdown. No, of course not, because everyone else was like, no. Well, they, that sounds miserable. Well, Luke was the only one who wanted to go partying. He was the one saying things like Amsterdam and Ibiza, and they were all like, no. Mm-hmm. Um but they were still saying, that, who, who was it, Phil, that was like, ooh, Sonoma. So one of them said Sonoma. And I was like, that would be, I would watch that movie too, though. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be adorable. That would be like guys wine would... country, but with boys. Yeah, which, like, I loved wine country, so, you know, get, I don't really need a remake with dudes, but. Get some bromosas. Sonoma. Some bromosas. <laughs> Somebody said also that he wanted to make it a brunch. Yeah. And they were like, fuck you, we're drinking at nighttime. <laughs> so, I think it was Dom that said, I, I want to make it, that wanted to I, make it a brunch. To be honest, like, these characters, except for Phil and the one who survives, all mm-hmm. ran together for me because they were, they looked the same and sound the same. I, don't, I didn't feel like they totally ran together, but I did feel like. They also all had you know, regular I mean, names, so I couldn't be like, oh, the one with the I was going to say, the, not, the names were the hardest thing for me, and watching with the subtitles on helped. Yeah, I had um, the subtitles on. I just couldn't keep them straight. Right. Well, because they also, they don't, they don't talk as much as you think, considering right. it's an hour and a half of movie, and there's, for most of the movie, it's just four of them. Right. 
they're not actually talking as often as you think, so you don't get as mm-hmm. much exposure to their individual voices and like get a sense of how they sound and a bunch of their talking is unnatural. Right. Like yeah. it's not their full voice, it's them like whispering or yeah. like speaking really urgently to each other. So having the subtitles on helped me get everybody straight. And I did watch it twice because um, it's also very dark. Yeah. So if you don't have optimal viewing conditions, like if you're trying to watch it during the day, mm-hmm. or you have any kind of glare in the room, you're just kind of screwed. I mean, especially like Phil. I feel like Phil was just not, like he did not have a lot of lines. I felt like I didn't even remember like much of the conversation like from Phil. It usually was like either like Dom complaining about like the current situation here or, um, um, God, what's the one guy's name? He was always like kind of like the leader of the group here that was always Hutch. trying to bargain as well too. Hutch. Right. Hutch, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Hutch was really, uh, was a fun, was a fun departure for me. We can talk a little bit about the characters directly if that's where we, that's kind of where we are with it. Because, um, so if for those of you who haven't watched the movie yet, or maybe some of you who have, um, Hutch's, the man who plays Hutch, his other like major role in recent years was on Downton Abbey. Hmm. He plays a, like a scheming gay butler. Nice. So, yeah, so he came on screen here, and I was like, ooh, grow that beard, baby. And then, he, like, as the movie Yeah, Hutch is hot, like, and so is Phil, but they still kind of fell in mm-hmm. with the others to well, me. I think it's the British accents, honestly. And I was, I was really grateful that we took them out of England. Because mm. I know that people say that Americans are arrogant, but excuse me. What happened, I mean, like, England? Really? Mm-hmm. Like... Colonialism for centuries, and we're mm-hmm. the arrogant ones. Okay, I mean, like we are, I mean, but also sorry. Yes, I was like, go fuck yourself. And you know, that's we got, takes we got one it, to know one. We got it from somewhere, and that's like so somewhere. funny because you know, Scandinavia as a whole, you know, the, the previous beliefs of like you know Loki and Odin, and you know the previous Norse gods, you know, that was completely wiped out when like yeah. you know Christianity and stuff came into the country yep. and pretty much just like. Knocked all that shit Dark down. Ages Crusades burned it to the ground, literally. Right. And so it makes sense that these characters are like, let's burn it to the ground. Right? Right. Yeah. So an interesting, I, I had to read up a little bit today on like, I was like, I feel like I just don't have, I just rewatched the movie. I watched this means I've watched it twice in like a week. And I still feel like I don't have a strong handle on what was happening. Right. With this, that was one of my main criticism was situation. like, I needed more convention established, <clears throat> but it makes sense that English people wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. So right. they'd be learning it kind of. I I, I felt like I understand trying to navigate that. Like part of what will be scary is that we're never going to get a full explanation. This is a deity, and it doesn't it doesn't explain itself to you. <laughs> like that's not what happens here. Right. Uh, it all it told you is that it wants you to kneel, and you do it or you don't. Um, well, so I was like, I understand that to some degree, um, but I did want to read up a little bit more on it, and like, well, where does this fit in? Like what. And I just needed some context because I was like, I don't have any idea what's happening here. And realized I did not know that there was like this is a religion that people practice today. But the religion that's practiced today is basically made up. There's not enough information about how this was practiced centuries ago. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a reconstructed thing. It's mm-hmm. like well, using the bits and pieces we have. Here's what heathenism is. Is what the kind of the overarching. Um, religious practice is called now here's what this looks like and the biggest split within heathenism is people is between folks who think heathenism is for everybody and folks who think heathenism is for white people from northern Europe and I was like 
oh my god, I kind of wish I had like known all of this before I watched the movie. Yeah. This is amazing. I I do remember to kind of build on both of y'all's points when I had to read Beowulf multiple times because I don't know, it's punishment for my sins. It's really hard to get through, even though Seamus Haney translated it and did a beautiful job. It's just very hard. Um, but the thing that kept me going was knowing that that story survived because it was in the back of a bar ledger and the Englishman didn't burn down the bar, burn down all of the stuff they used to worship, but not the bar. So, well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure that there are other surviving records, but there's not very many. And when I taught myths and legends to like gifted middle and high schoolers, they were super pumped to learn about the Nordic mythology because it is so wacky. Yeah. Like there's a tree and there's an, like there's several different afterlives, the, you know, like it's very, mm-hmm. very cool. And they love Loki. Right. Which is our guy here. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I even before this, I like, you know, I've been tr- I've been trying so hard to try to get the Norse mythology down. Everything it is. It's hard. It is a very it's difficult hard. thing because yeah, there's there's like, you know, and it changes words. based on the period. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that, you know, it's cool that, you know, a lot of people like have an interest in whether it be like, you know, from like. Thor and Loki from like the comic books or anything like that and I'm hoping that's sort of like a transition for more people to get more into the North mythology but it's extremely hard like it's very hard for me to even read it without being like hang on a second I gotta go back like 20 times here well it's the kind of thing that um, because there's so much information like because there are so many characters and events that if there's if it's not like a, a fleshed out like if it's not written in a like a rich story format in the course of a paragraph you've gotten through like you've had whiplash seven times yeah so it's so it's tricky so when you have a tradition that's been gutted so that there is very little surviving record of how these stories were told in a compelling Mm. way all you have is the the facts of of the the narrative it's really tricky to to make that yeah, like what are is it the Yokan? Is that uh, Jotun? Jotun. Okay. Jotun. Jotun. Yeah. And from what I gathered yeah. here, it's a very glossed word for giant. So, which kind of makes sense since there's that very similar kind of sound as well too. But from what I mm-hmm. read, the Jotuns were a type of giant here, which essentially mm-hmm. the 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 regular Norse gods like you know Loki, Odin, all them kind of banished to like their own realm essentially here yeah and so it's almost it's a cult within the nordic mythology so here's where this gets interesting they could it seems as though like a lot of the reality of the way heathenism is currently practiced carries over like like some of those uh runes or symbols yeah are used rune magic is from odin of this i remember because he hangs himself from the tree of something important whose name i can't pronounce yeah much the way our little buddy in this hangs people from trees Mm -hmm. yes um so there is one rune though i can't i i you know you're listening to us guys i i can't i i can't help you here we can put it in the show notes but one of the runes actually has been co-opted by like aryan movements and people who practice uh, heathenism are like no stop oh good a new fresh hell 
<laughs> oh, man. Bad enough that we had to murder a bunch of people in our woods. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to be a white thing. Right. Um, so I don't think they care so much about murdering the people in the woods. I think those people were very old. Um, yeah. Because that's what the girl yeah. says. It's like two lines of convention mm-hmm. established where she's like, bastard sons of Loki. And as soon as she said that, I was like, mm-hmm. that's bad. Like, not only are they from, are they offspring of the god of mischief, but they're also bastards, so they're not entitled yeah. to mm-hmm. the legacy. Yeah, they're, legacy. they're the ones... They're the ones that the god of mischief was like, hey. Chaotic evil mm-hmm. on the D&D alignment, right? <laughs> like, I'm just going to have a thing. I don't, yeah. And just left them right. alone in a forest to be terrifying deer. Which also, all deer are terrifying. So maybe that's why I found this monster so scary. It right. is scary, though. It's huge, yeah. <sighs> Mooses are But you know how I feel about yeah, deer. Yeah, like antler, like. You know, mammals like you know deer and mooses and stuff. I would not be like alone in the woods with them because they'll charge at you. Hell no! Yeah, they're oh scary. My God. The deer, the deer that I hit, that started the deer's obsession with me, was on my way to your house. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh my god! And like, there's well, deer everywhere, is- like West Virginia, Ohio. Like, you know, I I'm trying to think. I probably hit about two deer in my time here. Which honestly is pretty underwhelming since like you probably hit like maybe twenty deer like in your lifetime. Like if you live in Ohio. Me? Possibly. Oh, I was like, What? What do you think I've been doing? No, it was just the one. That's why it's so weird. But now they stalk me. They they hunt me. They they wish me ill. Yeah. They don't like me. (laughs) Um I forgot that that's where I I mean if I think about where I was, obviously I was on my way to Athens, but I was like, why would I oh duh. That's why I ever went to Athens. I was going to y'all's place. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Really quick, dear monsters. Really quick, you know the I wanted to talk about too the the point where like you know the the one woman was like you know this is you know it's an old god it's Loki and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, was that supposed to be because there's the one seed like prior to when they meet all the people here that they dig up like the old tent and they find like the wallet that's her right is that her that is her her, right right? they didn't really explain that further they didn't didn't state her name but that is her right because they said like you know you stay here forever because they essentially said like if you worship here you you'll live longer but you'll stay here forever essentially i thought i thought that that was a missed opportunity for a really good payoff because i assumed that's why she spoke better english than the others that she's been there less time and that she you know she's a recent adoptee a relatively recent i think her stuff was from like the 80s Mm -hmm. right it was so but i thought oh that's got to be the same woman Mm -hmm. and just like a slightly different shot a little more clarity something to reveal for a little more sure something as simple as like a tattoo Mm -hmm. yeah that was visible in like a photograph when they unpacked her stuff and then when she turns her head one time we catch just enough of it it didn't even have to be a big land but just enough that if you're already like wait is that right her yeah. and then you can catch it would have been really satisfying and I, that said maybe that's not what they were doing at all so it doesn't really matter maybe they really did just hang that bitch from a tree and leave her alone and that's so true because you know i remember the first time watching it i think i just like left the room for like a quick second so i completely missed that scene with like they dug up the tent here and then i came back and that girl's like oh this is a dvd that we worship here and it's like okay this is just must be just like another tribe member I completely missed the first time around that, that oh those are the same people right there also, fun fact, apparently in the book, which I 
kind of interested to read now. Yeah, me too. Um, in the book, The Little Witch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is how she's described in a lot of like the descriptions of the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the little woman, she um, has hooves. That's why her foot metal. That's why her footsteps are so loud. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Because uh, I wondered about that. Uh, I was like, is she just wearing straight up wooden claws? Like, how is she making this much noise? She weighs like fourteen pounds. But that's why she has hooves, and that's why she walks so strangely. Like, she has that very like careful looking gait. Mm-hmm. So apparently, they'd retain that, and the sound is still there, but they just never really showed it. Hmm. Missed opportunity. Yeah. I feel like the fact that we've spent so much time trying to understand the convention shows that that we needed to be like twenty minutes longer so that we could have some of this. Yeah. In the and movie. I, you know, I I think I never say that about a movie, but I think this movie could have been twenty or thirty minutes longer. Mm-hmm. I think if we had spent a little more time with the guys before Robert got slashed up, mm-hmm. that would have been cool yeah. to get to know them a little bit better, so that we have a sense of what a dramatic. Um, experience this has been for them like we see what a change they have yeah and i would have liked to see them in sweden before they went on the trip because we pick it up like day two when they're on the way back almost Mm -hmm. and i get and i get that if the you've titled this movie the ritual this is a journey from their ritual about robert from their right like right uh memorial that's what you think the ritual is gonna be right so a journey from that ritual to Luke's ritual of transformation, which he rejects. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're getting from there to there, you can't... That first ritual does... Like, I understand how act breaks work. Like, you want, you, you gotta get there. But they could have done that ritual, and then we could have had a night of them camping happily in the field. Yeah, let's talk about this camping trope. Camping. I love camping. Stop it. Stop camping. No, I'm just camping. asking Never. for trouble out in the woods. But it's fine. Right. I mean, I used to camp when I was a kid. I was in the Scouts. And so my dad died. Yeah, when I was a kid, time, I did. Know? And now that I'm an elegant woman, I put away my childish ways. Mary Kay does not go camping. I'm pretty sure that's not how the verse goes. I'm, I'm No, it's not. I had I... to modify it. And I feel bad about it. As soon as I did it, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. No, no. I think it's really funny. I don't think Jesus is upset that you called yourself elegant. And then continued in a Bible verse. Well, I'm not a man, like, so. Yeah. Um, so, I. The thing is, there's a reason we keep doing it. Okay? Like, there is something beautiful and peaceful and still and affirming about nature. There's a reason that. The, it's not just that Robert died and this is the trip he wanted to Sure, take. no, and I can mm-hmm. get behind some nature. I need to be in touch. With, I get whatever, that's fine. You ain't got to sleep in it, though. And you definitely don't need to take some fucking shortcuts when y'all don't know how to hike. That's Especially when There's someone has an between... injured knee. Know yourself, mm-hmm. motherfucker. There is a difference between camping right. and striking out blindly into the wild right. with no meaningful plan. Stupid. Right. Because that's just like scary. Um, also, it's fact, it's like if I went out camping and it was in a place that like nobody could like check in with me or I can't like had any sort of conceivable contact with another person, that would scare the shit out of me if like something happened and like I got injured or like, you know, 
you know, God forbid, yeah, like one of my family members off. like got yeah. injured and stuff too, and there's nobody around. Like I would be in like complete panic mode, like probably until the day I die, essentially, because that was yeah. so that would be you, so scary. You're a for sensible me. person. One time, um, listeners, you probably remember our dear friend Emily Brooks. Nick, you remember our dear friend <laughs> Emily Brooks? She went to, so she and I have a tradition called best friends camping. This, ha- this is, has happened every year until very recently because, you know, she moved to Viet fucking Nam. And, um, and uh, one year, so every year I think she actually hurts herself. But one year when we were in North Carolina camping, she uh, twisted her ankle really badly. And we were tubing with our friend Beth and Beth's son, Eli. And um, towards the end, the water was so low that we weren't like flowing along, but at that point her leg was bothering her so much that this like seven year old kid was like, I've got it. And he just like grabbed the ropes on the tubes and like towed us to safety. <laughs> it was bomb. It was three grown ass women. We are like not slight women. Beth is like five foot 10. Like Emily and I are nice thick ladies. And this kid was so proud of himself because with that little assist from the water, he could tow our boozy asses all the way back to the campsite. But he, he really kind of had to because Emily, she couldn't, she couldn't walk because the ground was so uneven and her leg, leg was so messed up. So if Emily couldn't walk on her horror. ankle, would she have insisted on taking a mountainous shortcut? No, because no. she is a smart no. woman and not a dumb dom. Dumb. Dumb. That's the other thing, too. It's just sort of like, if they're all, and that's the thing I was kind of upset with, like, Dom just kind of frustrated, too, is that they knew, like, right from the get-go that Dom wasn't, like, he wouldn't have liked this trip in the first place here. Like, dude, just uninvite yourself. I'm sure that they would be completely right. fine if you're like, hey, I'm not in physical shape to do this. I'll catch you when you guys get back, or I'll wait for you at the or- lodge or something like that here. Adjust, that's what I'm saying, adjust the trip instead of, like, say maybe there's going to be a day or two at the beginning where y'all camp close to the lodge, a day or two where the guys who really want to get out there and hike go, and the guys who really want to sit in the jacuzzi do, mm-hmm. and then a day or two at the end where everyone reunites back for some mild camping or some lodge mm-hmm. time altogether. Like, that's all. That's all you had to do was just adjust the trip slightly to accommodate for the human being whose wife apparently said, who are you and what have you done with my husband? Also, his wife is very beautiful. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know how Dom did But, that, yeah, you're but... still right. It's like the dude likes avocado on toast, so I'm pretty sure he'd be okay with chilling out of the lodge for, like, you know, two <laughs> right. or three days, you know? I don't think he's going to be upset about that. Brunch guy should stay at the spa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Own it. Just own it. Yeah. So it's always interesting to talk about what masculinity looks like when we're talking cross-culturally. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's a lot of that internalized for Luke with having like sat and watched his friend die. It didn't even stand out to me so much until the second time I watched it. The first time I was like, man, that's so scary. I don't know what I would do. Like, it's that was the scariest part, was the holdup. Like, yeah. There's no, like, there's no point if you both end up dead. Like, I under, like I can't even imagine. And the second time, I realized, no, motherfucker, you you had a bottle to bring to a knife fight. Yep. That's plenty good. Mm-hmm. You yep. had a bludgeoning weapon and a sharp weapon. Mm-hmm. And the element of, the surpri- of surprise, because they don't even know you're there. Even if you just threw the bottle at them and missed horribly, if you startled them enough for Robert to start running your direction and you guys to go the back way around the store arming yourselves as you go with more vodka 
Like I, so my main thing when I was watching that scene was, how did they come into the store while it was being held up? And then I realized this is England; they don't have guns. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, why would you hold someone up if you don't have a gun? That's like hand-to-hand violence. You have to be really fucked up to do that. Right. Yeah. So, I, I in something. That I've read, I can't remember if it was just like the IMDb page or the character descriptions or something, but they're described as junkies. And their behavior certainly suggests that. Like, there's no way that a murder charge was worth whatever his ring is worth. Right. Half the dudes these days are wearing those like rubber rings. It costs like $30 to buy a man's wedding ring. Like, it. Yeah. It's not my that brother, big of a deal. Brother, and also, in America, we are taught if someone mugs you, give them what they ask for, because otherwise you will die and they will get your shit. Like, yeah. 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 My brother wears this, like, England, uh, but... this, like, weird, like, rubbery, like, this, like, some kind of special plastic ring, because since he's a bartender, he right. his hands are in and out of, like, substances all the time. So rather than, like, slowly destroy a very nice ring, he wears this... He wears that most of the time, and then if he's not working or it's a special occasion or whatever, he puts on his real one. Yeah, same for if you work in a factory. They make you wear a plastic ring, so if it gets caught on something, it takes the ring off and not your finger. Yeah. So it costs like $8 in that case. Like, give your fucking ring over. You can replace it. I kind of, I mean, I know you're not supposed to blame the victim, but I kind of feel like this could have been prevented, which has to be traumatizing if you're the mm -hmm. person who survives. Right. I think that's the message we're meant to get right. to is that mm-hmm. like the, 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 the symbol of the act right. is For sure. more important right. to him that like, if there's any chance he gets out of this alive, he doesn't want to have to look his wife in the eyes and say that he gave that right. up. I mean, if I, if my hypothetical husband didn't give up his wedding ring to save his fucking life, I would kill him myself. <laughs> like, look, your priorities are I, all out of line. Like, what are you doing? Well, and that's, thanks I think for widowing me, asshole. It's a symbol. So I think it is a function of that single because Just because I'm drinking. Is it because I'm drinking rye whiskey out of this um, Harkins Theater's class of 2017 cup that has a bunch of characters with their superlatives on it? Is it because I'm drinking boxed wine out of a fr- out of a stemless wine glass that commemorates my friends who got married this past weekend? No, no, no. That's nice. That's nice. I that's think nice. we're even. You Hashtag single because. And I have me. This is the first time. <laughs> you do. Stein. You He's doing everything. <laughs> yeah, you got this. You got but this. But going back, Andrew married to Molly. What a day. Yeah. What a day. Yeah. My wife is cool too. But no, I mean, I think like, because you know, I, I work in the field where it's like mental health, and so you know, I I, I always take like a realistic approach because it's sort of like you know, we are always. I think we always are like, oh, if I was in that situation, I would totally throw the bottle and stuff. But honestly, like, real situation, I think my fight or flight, no way, my fight or flight would be so going off, I would probably be, like, frozen overall. It would take a lot for me to, like, you know, override myself to say, like, I need to, like, chuck this bottle at this guy here or, like, I need to try to come at them at a different angle or anything like that. Do you feel like, do you feel like that's changed since you had kids, though? Yeah. Or that would be that would be different. No, I, I no. If like if I know a number. Like I think like if my kids like you know not saying that would take my kids into a liquor store or anything like that, but like if it was sort of, <laughs> no, even if it's just sort of like station. yeah, no, if it was like a gas yeah. station and like I'm trying to buy like hell, I don't know, like you know another soda pop or if like my son's like oh, I want chips or whatever, you know. So if I'm in there and like my you know 
if there was like a person being robbed or anything like that, my priority would be my kids. And so if there was like an easy yeah. exit to get out of the store, I would take it. But if it was a situation where it's like, you are blocking the exit, my only exit with my kids, I'm going full bear mode on you right now. Yeah. Like it is yeah. not happening here. Like That's right. if anything, and I know like what would probably happen would be like, if I felt like my kids were in danger, I would recollect the what happened before and what after, but it would probably be in a blind rage to try to protect mm -hmm. my kids. Right. Or like my wife. Or and home. I know, and I've known a number of people who have said that once they like got married or especially once they had kids, that, that they found that it changed their, the way they responded to fight or flight and that they responded differently if their family was there and if they weren't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like the idea of protecting your kids would make them like, brrr, like blind rage, like I'm going to make this shit right. happen no matter what. But that if their family wasn't there, mm -hmm. it, there was, there was just no shame. There was no sense of like cowardice. It was like, nope, I have to get back to them. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what it takes. Right. And if that means I mow somebody down, great. But if I can get out of here unscathed, mm -hmm. I don't care about anybody else in the store. I get home. Right. That dude who like took out that dude in Waffle House. Everyone was like, you're a hero. And he was like, no, I was in a bathroom. There was only one exit. And the only thing I could think about was getting back to my kid. I didn't. I'm glad that my actions helped other people, but I was not thinking about anybody else in that in that establishment. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get right. home. Right. Like, if it was just me, like, I'd be like, yeah, take my wallet, take my ring, whatever. It's just stuff. Stuff can be replaced. I can't, you know? But if it's like, yo, like, if you are seriously trying about to hurt me right now and I'm not going to see my wife or kids or anything like that, I'm probably going to see red right now. So, Yeah. And I'm not an angry dude either. I'm a really nice guy. Like, I really am. No, I'm like, you know, a yeah. lot, like, you wouldn't think I have, like, an angry or violent bone in me. And that's probably true. But at the same time, like, if it was a point where, like, that were to happen, like, probably some really scary stuff would happen. The ring move is a, is a kind of a combination of a, it's a device. Like, part of it is character building and part of it is story moving. And... And I think it's partially a function of that truncated opening, right? That we get so quickly from opening moments mm -hmm. to the camping trip itself. Mm -hmm. um, and that there were other ways to, to relay the information that Robert is a really good guy and a family man. And to put him in contrast with Luke, who is like, man, let's booze it up more. These guys have gotten really boring, but it's a really quick way. <laughs> to relay just how different these two men are that one drags the other into the store to buy a bunch of booze the other one doesn't even want everyone's rolling their eyes and when it comes down to it boozy dude is hiding and married man is you know standing up for his marriage basically also i just want to say that i really loved the line when they were like when they said his dog they were like bo's waiting up for him up there and the guy was like i fucking hated that dog <laughs> I just, it made me so happy that, like, both of those things are true, that they're like, well, he finally gets to go be with that dog. That terrible, terrible dog. <laughs> I, I liked the line um, when he said he got, he got his head caved in, but you came out without, like, a spot of blood on you. Like, first of all, that's a really shitty thing to say. And second of all, you think that he hasn't been thinking about that every moment of every day right. <laughs> since it happened. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. like I feel like Dom totally, like, you know, on those things, like, 
five things you should never say to a person grieving. Yeah. I feel like Dom hit yeah. every single one of those points <laughs> as far as like, this never should have happened, you know? And it's like, dude, right. it was going to, that robbery was going to happen regardless if they went in there or not. And right. so, you know, you saying that, you know, you're putting the blame on Luke. And it's like, that was, mm -hmm. that place was going to happen. It was just like wrong place, wrong time, essentially. Also, I think it's really interesting. So the, the narrative is framing Luke's journey from, am I a coward? Am I someone who can't stand up? Am I someone who... Dislocates his own thumb to get out of makeshift handcuffs. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he well, he starts, you know, and, and he's he's being treated as like the the man who the hasn't grown up enough. Yeah. He's the Peter Pan. Yeah. To ending this story with with this uh, this really brave gesture, but the journey that the his journey doesn't happen without Dom's, without Dom going from soft boy who should have who should have stayed at the jacuzzi to you get out of here and you burn this fucking place down. This is where I die. Mm -hmm. And he was the last turn to me was like, what did they do to him? Like he comes back in looking bloody mm -hmm. and all, but I was like, I, he came back. What? I didn't expect that shit. I know. And then the way he actually like faced down the experience of the yeah. monster approaching him. I was like, Man, if you told me five minutes into this movie that Brunch Boy <laughs> would be tied to a post, mm -hmm. basically saying, come at me, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was the... With a busted leg, right. a busted face, a busted everything. I would have been almost as shocked as if you told me he had a black right. wife. <laughs> Which is also true. Mm -hmm. I agree. Apparently. And, like, not only that, like, he was, like, the last survivor as well, too. Like, you think, like, in mm -hmm. previous, you know, like, movies and stuff like that, usually, like, the person that's, like, the bougiest is the first one to go. But he was the one that's, like, right. nope, last one, you know. And is he going to make it? Is he going to not? Well, he didn't, but he was the last one to survive overall. Right. Yeah. And he had, like, a this hero's death, like, right, he faced down, like mm -hmm. you said. Well, so if we look at this, like, a hero's journey kind of way, mm -hmm. right? I would say that Hutch has was the mentor that, yeah. that dies early on. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you need to eliminate Hutch that early because Hutch is the one who knew what he was doing. Right. Works out. And he like, just made a plan. You can't make a plan in a horror movie. If you make a plan, mm -hmm. you're fucked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, Dom ends up being the the like the catalyst, mm -hmm. like the thing that makes Luke realize like something that also has been true all along. Like what he did in that gas station is not who he is every single minute of every single day. And every minute of that camping trip, he was showing up. Like, yeah, he was trying I to, I mean, Hutch is even like, in the Hey, the first in the morning before we were. get up, I'm going to send you ahead of us because you're the strongest and you can actually do it. We'll be here. He's, he's yeah. still in good physical condition. His right. mental condition is, is, is stronger than he's in stronger mental condition than Phil. He's in stronger physical condition than Dom. And if one of them has to stay at that point, Hutch, like being the one who knows what's happening in the woods makes more sense for him to right. try and stay there and hold it down. Not to mention that Dom and Luke have been in conflict. So separating them seems good, but also yes. Dom, you don't split the party. You just don't split up. Yeah. Didn't you ever watch Scooby-Doo? He's never Fred? played d, &D. Oh my gosh. This guy He's is never played Fred. d, &D. I will tell you, like, when we were watching, when I was watching this movie, I was like, so, so Hutch is Fred, who is, like, the most informed but makes the worst decisions. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And I kind of think that um, the guy who dies in the beginning was Velma, because Velma was usually the one who was like, yeah, we're going to make it. But that is where the analogy ends. No, there's no one else. No. Yeah. An attempt was made. Um, Right. Yeah. So what about this order in which they die? Like I said, there is some structural element, like, for example, needing to eliminate Hutch before he accomplishes things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And Dom having that transformation, helping to, you know, motivate Luke's transformation. That if Dom can get to this point where he is, like, the scariest, most badass dude, then, you know, Luke can set a cabin on fire. Um, So is Robert the one who dies first? Yes. Robert's the one who dies in the convenience The store. one who everyone loves the most has to be the one who dies first so that they go on the trip. Somebody had thoughts on this, but I can't. It's in black ink, and I didn't write I, it. I, I probably wrote it here. I mean, that. the thing that I kind of found out, or I kind of was looking into, um, essentially it was the five stages of grief, five characters, and like on Luke's chest when he had like the puncture wounds, there's five. So there's always kind of like a revolving of five here. And so I feel like, and obviously, you know, the the five, you know, essentially like the five uh, stages of grief is, you know, denial, bargaining, anger, uh, I think depression and acceptance as well, too. And so I feel like, you know, Robert says he's the first one. So, you know, they couldn't believe it's happening. That's denial here. Um you know, Hutch dying, he's always like, and it seems like throughout the movie, he's always like kind of bargaining. It's like, oh, if we kind of go through, like we go through the forest, we'll get to the lodge on time here. Or, you know, you guys are the fastest, so you guys should go first and stuff here. You know, Dom being anger here. Of course, like, of course, Dom and Phil, like, you know, they had a switch as far as um, uh, the method that they died here as well, too. But, you know, Dom being that anger part, Phil being the depression, and then Luke, even though he didn't die, Though it was acceptance at the time here that he's accepting that, you know, Robert had died overall. So I I don't know if I'm reading too much into it here, but I feel like that was sort of like, you know, the revolving of like grief unchecked and the five stages of grief and what that could do to a person if they, you know, don't go through it all. If they get stuck. Yeah, if they get stuck in a stage. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, so I could tell obviously based on the recurring the, the loop of Robert's death mm-hmm. also <laughs> just apropos of nothing Eric you can cut this we have gone all over the place on this outline yeah. it's had a bunch of stuff that isn't in the mm-hmm. outline but it's really fun it's been yeah. a long time since we've like gone wide with it and I'm enjoying it um, so uh, the with the loop of Robert's death playing constantly I was like this is I mean you can we talk up. about this the nightmare of fluorescent lighting fuck mm-hmm. Like, it just flares on him like that's when he has the first flashback right and mm-hmm. then he has the fluorescent overheads like show up which is a great uh, very cool technique yeah. like in production that they did um, oh yeah the, the the cinematography the camera like, so much of the way that the movie mm-hmm. is, is put together it's assembled is yeah. beautiful um, and I liked how oh, but it's a no I, I just really liked how like each progression of that flashback to like more and more of the forest was getting involved until like Robert was in the forest as well too. So I'm just kind of, you know, backing yeah. up on what you said as far as like have that shot just being like so awesome and sort of like, you know, 
this is here now. It's not like back, you know, it's not back in England or wherever, you know, Robert got killed. It's like here now, you know? So I, I thought that was really cool how they kind of shot that. And that's kind of how, yeah, that's kind of how post-traumatic stress disorder works too, right? Is like you see it start to happen and then you can't not go back there with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on how severe it is, but like it starts with the light turning on. And then you're like, no, here it comes. Mm-hmm. And you keep yeah. going down well, the same it's, it's path a, so that you keep it experiencing can be a really, it over and over. Right. It's really sensory. Like it's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's like a, it can be, it can be. I mean, there's a lot of manifestations and one of, one of the more commonly seen ones is the like switch flipping experience of like, oh, it's like physically happening mm-hmm. to me again. I am re-experiencing it in a very like physical tactile oral auditory like all that kind of stuff and they did a good so and they um, did it like they did a really good job like choosing like the right atmosphere too because like fluorescent light like that station that's harsh that's like a very harsh environment too there's not warm lighting it's like you know that buzzing fluorescent light in a very kind of gray Mm -hmm. you know bleak well and the contrast too you know Here's where the, the camping is so valuable for this, co- like you get this beautiful contrast, right? Because the gas station is the buzzing and the fluorescent and the harshness. And in this isolated forest, it is especially jarring mm-hmm. to hear that electric hum, to yeah. see how straight, like how alien that lighting looks in this environment. Um, so... It's really beautiful, and I I struggled as I was watching with trying to figure out like is this his is this his PTSD completely independent of anything that the monster or these cultists are doing, or is this somehow being triggered by? And based on the fact that he wakes up the first morning before they've encountered anything, and before they've gone into the forest, he wakes up that first morning having just had a dream about it. I'm inclined to say that that was just his his PTSD, and as his friends were hurt or killed, he was they kind of became folded into this yeah, traumatic. That's also what the girl says, and he says when he says "Why me?" and she goes, "Because you're in such pain." Like that's why they yeah. picked you. Yeah. So it makes sense that his was a recurring thing, and everyone else's was new. Like Phil goes upstairs mm-hmm. to pray to this thing mm-hmm. in his dream. Yeah, that that's was why he, real messed up. To, I was like. Yeah, that was really scary. When he's like naked upstairs. Yeah, when he found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he found Phil, I was like, I don't think you guys can keep hanging out with Phil. I think we yeah. need to let Phil go. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't. I don't see him coming back from that at but all. But was he praying, or what? Did he have like a nightmare, and like he woke up in that place here? Because he also said like, "That's not me, guys. Like that's, you know." He was totally mm-hmm. in denial about what happened. They made me pray. Yeah, I think in, in the course something about like the, like he was was kind of like sleepwalking, right? Like he didn't mean to do it. He doesn't know. Phil doesn't know he's doing it, but his right. body is doing it. Right. I don't know if you guys have ever sleepwalked or I, I've I've apparently done some concerning mm-hmm. things. A lot of people who sleepwalk can't do certain things like get in and out of clothes or mm-hmm. open doors. I do not seem to have any motor mm-hmm. limitations. No, we've. I mean, is, I've I haven't personally experienced sleepwalking but i know personal friends i've have observed sleepwalk before here that have open doors as well too so you know that's you know so it's 
it's a scary thing to be to become aware whether you wake up in the moment or someone tells you mm-hmm. later that like no you were like about to leave the house completely naked and I don't know what you were going to do thankfully I could intercept you like that's not a great feeling um <laughs> And I really wouldn't want to wake up praying to Wicker Man, so. Yeah, for real. No no rattan effigies, please. No way. Right. No. Mm-mm. At the very least, porcelain. Takes more. I don't know. Um, I have a and question. And then I can shatter it. Then I can <laughs> shatter it. Satisfying. Um, Go ahead. Why the puncture wounds of all the wounds to have? And the why there? Hmm. Yeah, but what is that? Hmm. I thought maybe it was kind of like a like a heart grabbing. Yeah. Like your heart isn't as far over or high as you think it. Like it's pretty. Right. So I thought maybe it was kind of a like Kali Ma, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like literally marking right. your heart. Right. Uh, no. But that that's as far as I really got with it. I was just kind of like, all right, that's what this weirdo does. That's where he likes to stick his claws. Yeah, but what claws? Like, what is making it, and why? And why there? That bitch had 17 arms. It could be anything. But, okay, so I'm pretty sure there was a tentacle. If you guys know what that mark is, please let us know. Because we don't know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is, yeah. it a, is it from a tentacle? <laughs> Maybe. I, I really feel like there might have been a tentacle there. I have another question. Mm-hmm. Were you satisfied with the ending? Not not even with Luke's triumph. I was like, fine, I feel like we've been building mm-hmm. to that. But the triumph itself, I was like, is this meant to mirror the way Robert died? That you slashed him across the face a couple times? For me... I don't know. I liked that the gun misfired, though. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> that was funny. It, it's kind of in between for me. Like, yes and no. Like, yes, I get it. Like, it's kind of going back to... It's, it's going back to kind of like the thought I was always on the train of like, this is unchecked grief here. You know, this is, and by the time he's walking out of the forest and, you know, compared to where it was in the very start of the, of the movie where it was just like very dreary raining, you know, to, Oh, we have this beautiful sunrise over like the Scandinavian, you know, mountains and stuff too. You know, it's a very dark contrast. Mm-hmm. And for me, I felt like, all right, this is Luke accepting Robert's death and that the monster is still inside the forest, but that is kind of grief as well too. Cause like grief never really goes away. You know, I've, right. I, I've personally had, you know, multiple losses, you know, in my own life here that, you know, what was kind of new for me to realize is that, you know, once you go through those five stages of grief, you know, before I thought, all right, that's it. I'll never have that experience again. But no, I mean, grief is always there. And there's some days where it's just really hard to, um, to experience that. So same thing with the monster is that, you know, it's not dead. It's still there, but you have it in check, you know, because the monster, as soon as like Mm -hmm. Luke got out of the forest, it wasn't running after him or anything like that. It was just sticking around right there, you know, but he's not, you know, at least he's got it in check overall. So that's kind of how I saw it. But at the same time, you know, it just felt really just kind of a short ending too. like there wasn't really much it, else yeah. to it. And I kind of wish there was more to it overall. Me too. I, I like that interpretation of it though. Yeah. And I, it made sense to be the fact that, that the beast can't follow him 
mm-hmm. made sense to me that like they've said like he lives here like this is his space mm-hmm. and we've already seen that that contention I think is clear that they can't encounter him until they enter the forest if they'd stayed on the trails they would have been fine mm-hmm. um, so that made sense to me I just felt like the actual confrontation I was like I think I had I kind of struggled a little bit with the like well, he wants him to kneel but he keeps getting up at what point it kind of didn't make sense to me I think that that the beast would not have shut that down mm-hmm. like the first time he stands back up and it's like oh you don't mm-hmm. like that okay and he's make, I'm putting you on and a he's making now. him look at Robert as well too it's not just he's making him kneel he's mm-hmm. making him kneel and look at like Robert yeah. as well too like face your fear here mm-hmm. man yeah. I have another question. Okay. The bodies upstairs. What? That's okay. So here's what I believe yeah. they are. And once I went into like reading more about like the mythology around this, I it has been supported. Okay. I was like, oh, she said they let us live past natural life. That's how old he lets mm-hmm. them get. Okay. So those are their elders. Makes sense. Oh. Like, those are cultists. They've just been around so long that they have, like... They're still alive, but they've just, like, they've withered decomposed. to this. So they're kind of like wraiths. Whoa! Yeah! I like that. That's cool. They're kind of yeah. like wraiths so there. That's when cool. He first walked, when he first walked up there, I thought maybe they were, like, more right. effigies. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. And I was like, why would that be the... Why would they need effigies to, to bow to the effigy? What is going on? And then um, when one of them started screaming, I was like, oh, no, they're alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They shouldn't be in that state, mm-hmm. but those are living former So they humans. still age, they just don't die. Yeah, just slowly. Pro- well, because uh, think about it, even after after 30 years, the woman they found, if that's right. the same woman, if we're, if we're going like to operate under the that same assumption. Age, Props to look. Yeah, she didn't, she wasn't, she wasn't looking great, but she didn't look like she'd aged 30 and, years. Right. And props to Luke for just, like, not freaking out and just be like, all right, well, mm-hmm. this is going to get burned here. You know, I'm just going to put this torch here. Because if that were me, I would That's be, like, am. probably pooping my pants and also burning down. But he was like, all right, nope, <laughs> just going to burn this. I'm going to walk out the room here. I would puke oh, and poop and then call my dad. Yep. In that uh-huh. order. <laughs> I think, to be fair, they hadn't gotten to eat very much in a while. So he may have had nothing in his guts to work with. That's true. But you can still so, puke, even if there's nothing that you've eaten. I, whenever um, I get scared, my bowels move. Like, one time somebody knocked on my window, and I was like, I'm going to go shit. Like, right now. <laughs> I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> Bye. Did. We took care of it, and I was like, Sarah, I have to go shit. And she was like, were you scared? And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm about to shit my pants. Duh, mm-hmm. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> It turned out to be our kind of friend. She punched him in the chest and I hit him with the broom. But he shouldn't have been knocking on our fucking window. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Don't come yeah. over if you haven't told me you're coming over. That's yeah, a good. What, what that's a good you, way to. You, that's a good way to get it by that fucking throat. Yeah. No. Do you think this is 1993? No. You have to tell me you're coming. I won't even open my door. No, because I don't know uh, who's standing just outside of the peephole vision, holding a gun to your head. Because you know not to show up without notice. Which God's bastard would you least want to run into? Ooh. Oh, God. Dang. Okay. No, I don't know, though. Because, like, like, I can't even remember, like, half, like, you know, other than North Scots. I can't even remember half of them. It's hard to pronounce. 
there's no way in hell I'm gonna remember it. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be Norse gods. It can be Greek gods. It can be like whatever, whatever you like. Because I was gonna say, for me, it's Zeus because Hera is a vindictive yeah. goddess, and he has so many bastards. So many. He just keeps showing up in like showers of gold and the body of a goat and shit. And I'm like, how is that even working for you? What is your game? When you show up as an ox, what game are you running that this works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I feel like Poseidon is also a good choice because that's what Odysseus does. Like he kills the Cyclops or he, he blinds mm-hmm. the Cyclops and then he suffers for 20 years because yeah. the Cyclops is like, daddy, help me. And he's like, okay. So not, yeah. And I love that the help is like, I will make him suffer. It's like, Cyclops is like, but my eye. And he's like, shh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I feel suffering. like Loki is a real bad one to piss off. And isn't Thor like, the, the warrior god? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to piss off his bastard because he's going to be equally adept and pissed because he doesn't get to inherit whatever. Right. I mean, I would not want to, like, anger any god, so it's just sort of like, oh, pick of the litter See? here, you know what I'm saying? Because they can all just, like, right, yeah. fuck you down, up, you know what I'm saying? Try to do one nice thing yeah. per day. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't even know, <laughs> you know? Because it's just sort of like... Yeah. God, it's so hard. If Jesus had a bastard, I feel like he'd be cool about it. Like, I wouldn't want to... I wouldn't want to offend the bastard, but also, like... You know, it depends on what right. they did. I feel like maybe there could be a conversation to be had there. Like, he shouldn't have been talking shit. Jesus would be like, yeah, okay. Right. I'll talk to him. Please don't be mean to him anymore, though. And I'd be like, I won't. Right. You're right, thank you. Because, you know, forgiveness, blah, blah, blah. Right. Salvation, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, I would say either, like, Odin or Thor, or, like, you know, Loki for myself here, too. But, again, it just goes back to, it's like, well, I mean, like, I, I would not want to piss off any god, like, any kind of either old gods or anything like that, because it's just sort it's of right. like, you know, pick your poison here, overall. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's that's really hard for me. Stay in your lane, in this, literally. Stay on the fucking path. I was gonna say in this case, which just means like, don't try to enjoy a forest. No, it just means don't think that you're better than the forest. It has a similar, similar moral as deliverance, which is if you know you're inept, you gotta know yourself. Acknowledge your boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, accept that you are full of shortcomings and fucking terrible. But here's the... No. But here's the question, though. <laughs> That's not what I said. Find an expert. Make informed decisions. But here's the other thing, too. Like, if Dom... Of course, like, if Dom wasn't there on the trip, though, and he didn't, like, bruise his leg, like, bruise his leg or anything like that, or, like, hurt, his, hurt himself or anything like that, of course they do the trail. But if, like... They just, like, let's just say it was just the three guys. You're like, oh, I don't want to do this trail anymore. Let's just get through the forest. Do you think that would even be possible that, like, they would get through the forest, like, in time without even having to, like, meet the monster either? You know what I'm saying? Just because they have I don't think so. I think it's the rune magic that leads them into, like, the labyrinth type thing. Right. The me- metaphorical labyrinth, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Literal the metaphorical rain, labyrinth. Of course. Yeah. But the rain happens. The deception. But the thing that keep there, there's the a lot of... There's a lot of other, a lot of other 
potential obstacles. There's a lot of other ways that could have gone wrong, and any of them could have gotten hurt. They're walking through a forest that isn't a trail. Right. Dom slipped on the trail. Any of them could fall. Oh, of course. Falls anywhere else. Right. But I think they would. But so, I think they I would know. take it kind of more, you know, because they even said like Dom's not the guy that's going to do this here. You know, he's going to complain about this the entire way. Like if there was anybody else, like I feel kind of going back to like that masculinity part. Like I think they would try to like truck through, even though if they think like they're in unimaginable pain, they don't want to show it. So it's Dom's fault. <laughs> yeah, Dom. Kinda. He's the catalyst for sure. Dude, just stay at the cabin. Enjoy your avocado toast. What is so bad? Just stay there. <laughs> what is so bad about a mud wrap? Right. All right. Should I talk about what's happening next? Go for it. Yes, please. Okay. So on our next episode, we have the film The Autopsy of Jane Doe by, and this is a Norwegian name, so you guys bear with me on this, Andre Avdorel. How do you feel about that pronunciation? Pretty good. No one's saying anything. No, I I'm sure good. that I'm I wrong. see no... But okay. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I don't know what else to do with it. So cool. Sure. Okay. So the autopsy of Jane Doe is available to stream on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, please do watch it because it's pretty interesting. Like the concept is very cool. And it, I think it's also pretty short. Um, for that episode, we will have author and podcaster S.A. Scott Bradley coming on as our lovely guest. And we're also going to ask him a few questions about his book, Screaming for Pleasure, How Horror Makes You Happy and Healthy. So be sure to come back for that. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us because it really helps so, so much. And Nick, you are amazing. Thank you. This was perfect. Thank you so Thank you for coming much. in as our mythology expert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And delightful presence and lovely guests. Yes. You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. This was a fun episode because now I'm, now I'm kind of like, I know all the holes in my in my knowledge and I need to go know more about the all of this shit so I can avoid it. <laughs> Yikes. Oh my gosh, those arms when he peered into the fucking door. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, that was cool though, how they shot that. It's just sort of like, you know, that they are just like reaching in there. I'm like, whoa, that was pretty awesome. I so looked like the Edward f- Munch scream <laughs> painting. At that so point, for, for our parting thought for you guys, before we say goodbye, I'm going to read this little bit of description to you so you understand. And if you didn't understand or you watched it in too bright of a room and uh, you just want to be left with nightmare fuel, here you go. Its head resembles a headless human torso with antlers for arms and legs with a vaguely human head with glowing eyes where its crotch would be. <laughs> Bye, guys. Love Metal. you. Bye.